like that. You want to try that. Hello, Welcome like to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I'm your host, Logan Blackman, and we are ready for another exciting and fun episode of the Logan Blackman Show. But before we get into what we're going to talk about today, make sure to go over the housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show. One, Facebook and YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and like and follow the Facebook page. Just search Logan Blackman Show for both of those and they should pop up right away for you. And you can also go and check out all those links to social media accounts as well as links to our blog and different links to the podcast on our website, www.worldwideweb.theloganblackmanshow.com. Again, you can check out blog posts there. You can check out podcast links, videos, all that good stuff. And speaking of the podcast, make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure to leave a rating on a five stars and leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do about your rating, about the show in general, about the host, whatever you want. Just leave it down below in the description and we will try our best to read it as as well as we can. Oh my goodness, I'm excited for today's episode. I'm very excited for today's episode. Right now, I have got on the the Detroit Red Wings versus the St. Louis Blues hockey game, and I'm drinking a cold glass of something, and I would like to have you guys guess of what it is we are drinking today. It um, It is a beverage of sorts, and I will take a quick sip, and you can try and gauge what it could be. Okay, now you can guess, and do your guesses, have some fun. It's going to be a nice interactive one. We'll take sips periodically throughout the show, and you will guess what it is, and we will reveal the secret at the end of the show. But I, I've, I've done that before, where I try to do something like, oh, we're going to talk about this later. Oh, don't forget. Oh, don't forget about this. We're going to talk about this. We're so excited to talk about this. And I just completely forget about it, because it's not something I was really planning on talking about. But now that I've brought it up, I'm going <laughs> to... I got I to gotta talk about it a little bit. But we'll go over that at the end of the show, towards the end of the show... But we've got some fun things to talk about today. And why I bring up the Red Wings versus the St. Louis Blues hockey game is because I've got a player on my fantasy hockey team on the Detroit Red Wings. And right now the score is 1-1. Patrick Kane's new team, obviously the Detroit Red Wings. We brought that up during uh, the show. Brady was on last Friday? What was that? Yeah, it was last Friday, right? Had to be. Had to be. But I've I've got Jake Wallman on my team right now. He's got 2.1 points. For the Detroit Red Wings right now, or at least in fantasy hockey. And right now, I'm winning 20.6 to 10.0. I am 8-1 in fantasy hockey. I have the number one team in the league. I'm the reigning, defending, undisputed heavyweight champ of the world when it comes to hockey. In regards to fantasy hockey, that is. And this, last year was the first year I ever played fantasy hockey. And it's real. Oh, we have another goal. Uh, it's Bergeron. Never mind. Not Walman. <clears throat> Not Walman. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, but hey, the Blues are losing. I mean, this is a battle of like my two least favorite teams in hockey or two of my least favorite teams in hockey. The Red Wings, obviously, when they got separated from the Blackhawks when I was growing up or going through high school, middle middle school and high school, sorry, uh, they went to a different division. So the rivalry was not as heated as it was when I was younger. So the hatred, I guess, is not, I don't want to say died out. It definitely has because I still despise the Detroit Red Wings. I hate them even more now that both Alex DeBrincat and Patrick Kane are both on the team. Both former Blackhawks, both two of my favorite players on the <laughs> both two of my favorite players on the Blackhawks, but it just didn't the Blues I hated, especially going to William Penn, Brett, 
uh, one of my good friends from William Penn, big Blues fan. That was actually how we connected. We were both well, we were both quarterbacks, so that kind of helped. But we both found out we were hockey fans freshman year in college. So I was like, "Hey, dude, you want to just watch the Blues Blackhawks game? Because it happened to be opening night in the NHL, and the Blues and Blackhawks happened to be playing. I couldn't tell you what who won or who lost, but he also corrupted the minds of everybody else that we were friends with at William Penn who weren't really into hockey, but they just knew one thing, and that was to hate the Blackhawks. And both of them still do not really like the Blackhawks. Kevin brings it up. Every once in a while, it's fantasy hockey or a fantasy football name, rather, is a, a bad thing towards the Chicago Blackhawks, but we're not going to go over that. We're not going to go over what Kevin's team name is because I just made the playoffs in that league. Right now in fantasy hockey, 8-1, and one, season's not even close to being done. We're in December right now, but we're not close. We're not close. On the top of the league, I had a 99% chance to make the playoffs, but nothing secured yet because we still got a long-ass way to go. Now, beating this team that I'm playing this week would help a lot because this is the team that I'm currently battling with atop the league. He beat me earlier this year, won my, my one loss in the season. He's got two losses now. He beat me by three freaking points earlier in the season. I think week four or something. And I was going to screenshot it and send it to Brady, who's in this league that I'm in for, for hockey. I was going to screenshot it and send it to him, and I screenshotted it because I just took the lead. I made an amazing comeback. I screenshotted it. I was like, I'm going to send it to Brady. But the game night wasn't over. And I told myself, I was like, I don't want to jinx myself. I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to jinx it. I can't jinx it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So I deleted the screenshot. But I think taking the screenshot just jinxed me altogether because I ended up losing after that. I was winning pre-screenshot. I lost post-screenshot. It was just a, a very bad turn of events. But in regards to fantasy football, I'm in a very weird spot <laughs> in fantasy football. So I've, as we've discussed before, I'm in five leagues. Five leagues. Three of them... I successfully made the playoffs. Yeah, congratulations to me. Everybody give a round of applause to me for my fantasy football accolades this season. But one of the leagues I'm in is a league I've been in for a very, very long time. I don't remember the exact year that I started playing in this league, but it's been, I mean, there's been some chopping and changing throughout the course of the league's history. But for the most part, it's the same core members in the league. And it hurts me to say that this is the one league that I try to pay attention to more than the rest of them because I've got more Tied into the league, I guess. And of course, I don't have my phone with me and I can't log into the league right now. But that's I guess it doesn't really matter. what I know what my record is and I know what happened at the end of the regular season. But throughout that course of the league, and I've, again, been in this league a very long time. Like, this is about probably middle school. I'm talking 7th, 8th grade we've been in this league. It's been a long time. I won my first league in 2015. 2015, senior year of high school. And I'm still in this league. We're still kicking, this le- kicking it in the league. And throughout the history of the league, one thing that I have stayed true to the entire time, I have never been in the Sacco, which is the battle of the worst two teams in the league. And not only that, I have also never been defeated in the first round of the playoffs. No matter what my seed was, whether I was a one seed, whether I was an eight seed, I was winning my first round matchup. But I have beaten my fair share of one seeds throughout this time in this league. I just did it last year. I won the league last year by beating a one seed. And in the past two seasons, I made it to the championship game. I avenged my team that could have gone down to the greatest fantasy football team of all time by winning last year with what could have arguably been considered the worst fantasy team in the regular season of all time. I don't know if you guys follow arena football. I know it's been in like it's, it's eighth or ninth rendition at this point. It's coming back next year, I believe. But if you follow the arena football when you were growing up, the Chicago Rush won a championship finishing 7-9. 
That is one of the worst championship teams <laughs> of all time. And Mike Hohensee happened to become the coach of the Iowa Barnstormers. He was a legendary coach Ho who won an Arena Bowl championship. That Arena Bowl, he was 7-9. and nine. That's not really so. I know, I understand you won a championship, but you were under 500 the entire season, and you won it. So congratulations on that, but I didn't like the whole, the legendary Coach Ho. Every time they introduced him, 7-9. and 7-9, win a championship. Matt DeRazio was the quarterback. Bobby Scipio was the wide receiver, one of the wide receivers on that team. I loved watching arena football growing up, but that's not the point here. <laughs> that team that I was, I, I coached, managed, owned everything, sucked ass. Sucked major ass. They were the asshats 2.0 because I've had the asshats 1.0, which was another eight seed that ended up beating a one seed. The year I won the championship, I think it was like a two seed. I wasn't a very low seed that year. I was a pretty high seed. The year I should have won the league and gone down as one of the greatest fantasy football seasons of all time, I was a one seed, got all the way to the championship game, and freaking Justin Jackson snatched victory away from me. One of the one of the saddest times I've ever been in my life. And you know what made it even worse? Is that the guy who won the league took the picture with the trophy right in front of me. You know all those pictures like Stephon Diggs with the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs AFC Championship game? We'll get to that game in a little bit. And you know, like, I saw a picture of Ty Thompson with the Pac-12 Championship game. We've seen, like, Jalen Hurts had a picture of Clemson celebrating the National Championship game as his background of his phone until they won the National Championship with Georgia the next year when Tua ended up winning it with Devontae Smith after Jalen got benched in the game. Like, it was one of those moments. I got my picture taken with the team that won the league holding the trophy with me in it. I used that as motivation going into the next season by putting forth one of the worst teams ever constructed. I was so unconfident with that team. Unconfident? I had zero confidence going into that season. You want to know what my confidence level was at? You want me to tell you something? I think we've talked about it in the show before, but I'm not 100% sure. I drafted Trey Lance. And he's going, oh, Logan, that's not that bad if you took him like one of your quarterbacks or like your backup quarterback or you just took him in the last pick of the draft. He's like, oh, it could be kind of funny to take Trey Lance. No, he was my only quarterback I took the entire draft. You know what happened week two? He snapped his ankle in like the third play of the game. It wasn't third play of the game. It was a few bit, a little bit later in the, later in the game. But still, my goal was not to have Trey Lance snap his ankle week two. It was not also a plan to have him not do anything week one against the Bears in a freaking monsoon. It was bad on bad on bad. And I, again, I already wasn't confident going into the season. I told Spencer as much that, dude, I have got no confidence. You want to make it even worse? We were supposed to have the draft in my apartment. And the internet, the payment system for CenturyLink was down. And I didn't get told about it from CenturyLink until 6. You want to know what time their phone lines closed? 5.30. So I had no internet. Everybody was coming over for the fantasy drafts. Was like, hey, uh, I gotta, I gotta cancel. My internet is down. <laughs> I don't want everybody being on, you know, their freaking hotspots and everything. So we're gonna. I think it was Pitt, West Virginia, that was that week. It was on a Friday. It was Thursday or Friday? I don't remember which one it was. But it was like the first week of the college football season. I think it was Pitt, West Virginia, was that day. So I had to go over to Spencer's house. So we were bad on bad on bad. Like I had no internet. I couldn't pay for it until the next morning because I couldn't talk to anybody because their system was down. And then I had to go over to a friend's house and then I had to draft one of the worst teams ever constructed of all time. It was miserable. Miserable. I was trying to get trades left and right done to get something to improve my team and it just didn't work out. It didn't work out. And then I go into this year. I have an amazing draft. 
And Joel, the guy who won the league last year, conveniently forgot the trophy. We went to Jethro's to go to the draft. He forgot the trophy. I had my all suit and tie up and ready. I was like, man, we are serious. We are business mode. We are going to try to be the first three team, three time champion in this league. There are two other two time champs. There are two other two time champs. I'm one of them. And it's Jake and my best friend, Ryan. Two, three, two time champs. I'm one of them. So I was going in to try and be the first three time champ. First three time. You know how crazy that is? In the history of the league, never been three time champ. And I was planning on being the first one. I go into the season, I get drafted. I have a really good team. I was like, my team is beautiful. The mock drafts that I did leading up to that point, this is the first year I ever did mock drafts. The mock draft worked out exactly how I wanted. The first three picks, I got exactly what I wanted. Just so happened that the Detroit Lions forgot how to use Jameer Gibbs or didn't know how to use Jameer Gibbs, even though Ben Johnson said we're going to use him in all these different types of ways. And it just turned out we're not going to play him. And he almost scored. Opening game against Kansas City Chiefs uh, fell. And then Dave Montgomery ended up finishing off the drive. Ironically, I did end up getting David Montgomery and Sam Laporta later in the season, which helped me out a lot because Kyle Pitts was doing jack shit at the tight end position, so I made a trade. Sent Garrett Wilson and Kyle Pitts. Somebody for Dave Montgomery, Sam Laporta. One of the best trades to ever go down in league history. One of the best ever. I was looking at that team. I was like, man, my team is loaded. This team's scary. Once we get in a rhythm, we'll get loaded. People feared me going to the playoffs. Feared me. Again, two years in a row, I made the championship game. Every year in the league, I had never lost a first-round playoff game. I was feared in the league. My team scored an impressive 1,500 points, which was about fifth or sixth highest in the league. Midway point. You want to know how many wins I got this year? I got four. I got four wins this year. You want to know what makes matters worse? I was the worst team in the league. This is not only my first year in the SACO, this is my first year ever in fantasy football history, regardless of what league. First year in my entire existence playing fantasy football, the I, Logan Blackman, host of the Logan Blackman Show, self-proclaimed draft quote-unquote expert, finished last in the league. The team I am playing in the SACO, I have scored 133 more points than this season. 130, I am a whole game up on him in regards to what my team has done scoring-wise. My team, I remember off the top of my head, I thought I constructed a perfect roster to steal championship, a championship away from the clutches of defeat. I won my fourth game. I sent a video to my group chat with this of, um, what's his name, from the, the, the last Guardian of the Galaxy movie. The, the guy who plays the kid who gets his nuts bitten by a spider. And uh, wow, I'm just forgetting all these. <laughs> the Jennifer Aniston, Jason Sudeikis movie. We're the Millers, that kid. What is the Warlock, Adam Warlock, when he's flying in to get Rocket Raccoon? That's what, that's the video I saw. I was like, here's me with my four and seven record at the time. And then playing, what's it called? Nowhere. Nowhere is the championship. Three-time champ. I sent that. Everybody was like, Logan, I don't want to play you in the playoffs. I don't want to play you in the first round of the playoffs. I was like, yeah, I know. My team's scary. This is the best four-win team ever constructed. You know what happened after those two games? I lost two games, or after that fourth win, I lost two or three games in a row. In a row. Scoring over 100 points in my, again, my thing's not loading, but I'm pretty sure I scored over 100 points in all three of those games. Two or three of those games. I know I did the last week. I was the third highest scoring team in the league last week. You know what happened? I lost. Because it just so happened that the first or second highest scoring team in the league played me. And that was a constant theme throughout the season. 
And now my team sits at the basement of the league. And my credibility as a manager, as a GM, as, well, G- GM and manager, same thing, whatever. As an owner, as a head coach, as a play caller, as an offensive coordinator, decor, whatever. It's all been thrown into question. They must have forgotten who they were dealing with. Next year. <laughs> oh, next year. I send a message today. I sent a message today. I was the preseason favorite as voted on by the league to win this year. To become the first three-time champ in this league. And now my credibility is being questioned. My dominance in fantasy football is being questioned. It's being stampled. Stamp, stampled. Stamped. <laughs> well, just know this. Win while you can is what I ended my message with. Win while you freaking can. Because next year, oh, this is going to come back completely bite me in the ass. We're going to knock on wood here. Next year, I'm going scorched earth. I'm not letting anybody win a single game in fantasy football next year. You question my credibility as a manager, as a decision maker, as everything. Saying I was built off the back of one person. We're not even going to mention his name here. We're not even going to mention his name. But the disrespect I felt with that. Win while you can, everybody. Win while you freaking can. And I'm not going to cheer for anybody in the playoffs. I'm not cheering for nobody. I sure as hell ain't cheering for Jake and Ryan because I want to be the first three-time champ. So I'm cheering for Spencer all the way. So I guess I am cheering for somebody. (laughs) We're cheering for Spencer. Everybody else, go suck one. Don't care. Don't care. Next year, we're coming back with a vengeance. And I am getting my trophy. I haven't gotten the fancy trophy that I won last year at all this entire season. It's screw with our heads mentally. Like Tom Brady. I'm going to leave, and I'm going to win without you. And I already did that, but I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it three times. Three times. And you know what's even better? What's even funnier that could happen, could happen, while well, going back to the present, I'm in a league with Jared, who's been on the show before, and Andrew, who we've talked about on the show before, and Noah, who we've talked about on the show before. We have been in a league, we are in a league with these people. I'm in their neighborhood league. I have infiltrated their neighborhood group. I do not live there. But guess what? I have infiltrated it. Yes, draft night, two years ago. One of the greatest moments of my life. One of the guys there, his now wife, is sitting there on the floor in the living room of his house. And she goes up to me and says, Logan, they didn't want to invite you in the league. They thought you were going to win. And I said, Allison, that's exactly what I'm going to effing do. And guess what happened? Win the league First year in there. You want to know what they told me beforehand? What the rest of the people in the league told me beforehand? Logan, nobody except for the first year in the league has ever won in the first year. Especially not an outsider. And guess what? The outsider won the fantasy football league in his first year in the league. Second year, didn't win it. Fine. Already won. I already proved everybody wrong. Said it couldn't be done. Did it. I could chill for a little bit. Well, guess what? I'm back again. I'm in the playoffs again. A four-team playoff with Andrew Meyer, who I played in the championship two years ago. 
Andrew was on a, I think, three or four championship winning streak. Every time he brings it up, I said, Andrew, why did not why did not grow one more? What happened? What happened to that one final championship? Couldn't the streak have been extended? What happened? One in, one out. One league, one year in, one championship out. We're good. Kind of chilled the next year. You know what I texted Andrew after our week one performance in that championship because it's two weeks championship? I'm sorry. We did not show up. I thought we could put forth a better product for you in the championship game. A, a champion as worthy as you. Somebody that deserves to have a four Peter three, but whatever it was. Someone who deserves a better challenge. I did not live up to expectations. You know what happened? I beat his ass after that. It was beautiful. Guard down. Call me the 2008 New York Giants with the undefeated Patriots staring right at me. Eli Manning, David Tyree, Michael Strahan, Jim Calhoun. Jim Calhoun, the Yukon Huskies coach? Yeah, Jim Calhoun. <laughs> Came back and won. One in, one out. And guess what? I'm ready to meet him again. I don't meet him in the first round. No, 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 no. But everything's gearing up for Andrew and Logan to meet again in the championship game. Again, this come all, come all back to bite me in the ass. We're going to knock on wood again. But it's coming. It's like James Madison versus North Coast State in the FCS a few years ago. And Trey Lance was at North Coast State. It was all down to this. The rest of the season's irrelevant. It is irrelevant to that. We all know what the championship is. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. I've already seen the future. I've seen the future in the past. They're all merging together. History loves to repeat itself, don't it? It does. And then the final league that I am in the playoffs. We're not going to talk about the other ones. <laughs> I got four leagues I want to talk about. William Penn League. Or no, no, I made the William Penn. The the one league I didn't really care a lot about until I was like, you know what, let's let's have some fun. And then I had like a six game win streak and then barely missed the playoffs. But that doesn't matter. I didn't really care about the league anyway. That was number five on the list of importance in regards to what league I was caring about the most. William Penn League with Kevin, Zach, and Justin, who have all been on the Logan Blackman show before. My ex the expectation for every league I'm in is for me to win. Every year. Before the draft this year, they said, isn't it cheating that Logan is in this league? I don't know who said it. It was someone over the phone, and it wasn't Zach, Justin, or Kevin. I did not recognize this voice. But isn't it cheating that Logan's in this league? And I muttered to myself, <laughs> Well, yes. Yes, it is. And I'm in the playoffs. Again, it's all been decided. It's all been written. It's all coming just as I thought it would. I didn't win the league last year. No, I lost in the championship game. It's a very sad moment for me. Very ego crushing. I did the bare minimum. I went to the championship as many expected me to. I just did not come away with the trophy. It hurt. It hurt. But I won one league. Or two leagues. I won two leagues. It made me feel so good about myself. And this league, Justin, who was in the playoffs. Zach, who won the championship last year, is no longer in it. Kevin, who almost ripped playoff chances away from me last week. But I'm back. 
And guess who I'm playing first round of the playoffs? Justin. Justin tried to trade. Who did he try to trade? What was the trade? He tried to get Tua Tagovailoa, who was at the time, I know he didn't have the greatest day last night against the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> we'll get to that in a little bit, though. It was for Tua Tagovailoa for Hunter Henry. You want to know who the trade was about to go down with? His wife. Collusion of the highest order. Insider trading. The league vetoed the trade in about two seconds. The second trade he did. Because they had no trust in him after that. And I sit here with an opportunity to beat the person for insider trading. For the championship. It could happen. It might not happen. Who knows? I do. It's already been decided. We'll get back to that. And the final league I'm in. It's a league that I only know two people in. I got invited this one on a limb. On a whim, sorry. $60 buy-in. 12-team league. I did not know the skill levels of any of these players in this league. Not only did I not know any of the skill level of any player in this league, because I had not even, I only, again, only know two people. But I've never played fantasy football with these two people before. So I don't know what they know. You want to know what happened? I not only made the playoffs. I not only, and the best team in the league record-wise, I got a first-round buy. How many people get first-round buys in fantasy football? Not a lot of them, but I did. Take a sip. Dominating Scorched Earth team. So you question my credibility in the other league that I'm going to win next year. That's a promise. It's not a possibility. It's a promise. As Coach Hurley said before the UConn Huskies won the national championship last year in basketball, before the season, around the middle of the season, or was it the season before? Whatever, it doesn't matter. There's a quote going around that said, You better get us now. You better get us now. And as Deion Sanders said, I'm coming. Next year's ours. This year, though, we're going to turn our attention to other leagues. Because we got three championships to win. That's all I'm going to say about that. That's all I'm going to say about that. But, man, fantasy football is fun. <laughs> My maniacal laugh. Uh, no, fantasy, I do really enjoy fantasy football. I mean, I'm in five leagues. I enjoy fantasy hockey, too. Like, I won the league last year. Alec, who's the G, the the man, the what GM, the commissioner of the league. Sorry, he texts me like second week of the season. He said, "Would you be fine with a buy-in?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm fine with stealing money." You want to just give it to me now? You want to just give it to me now? Won the league last year. I got two top ten goalies because people dropped them before they even played a game, and the one person that dropped one of them said he was interested. In the goalie that he dropped before he played a single game. I told him no. I stashed Andre Vasilevsky after the draft. Stashed him in IR until Thanksgiving. It's inevitable. It's already been written. It's already been written. The next time we talk about this, potentially. I don't want Jinx. So make sure you heard that this time. I've done it three times now. I may not won the league that is most important to my heart. But I will be a champion. I promise you that. I promise you. I promise you that. 
And even if I didn't win a championship in that one, uh, the league that I didn't really care about earlier in the season, <laughs> I missed the first two picks of the draft because we were moving stuff into the house. And I missed the first two picks of the draft. So that kind of already ruined it for me. They were good players. I mean, it was Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb. Like, I, I was, I could have picked those two regardless. Like, who knows? Who knows what would have happened? But Brady's in that league. Brady, Brady's the commissioner of that league. And Jared's in it, Andrew's in it, Noah's in it. A lot of the a lot of the people that we brought up before are all in the league. But I just didn't really have the drive to compete until I was like, you know what? Fine, we'll pay attention a little bit because I didn't even think there's money involved. If there is, fooled me. I didn't know. But I finished the regular season like seven and six after starting one and six. Like I'll take that, I'll take that. But at six, I finished above five hundred. Pretty impressive. Everybody wrote us off. Wrote us off. Everybody wrote us off. Now seven and six missed the playoffs, but seven and six is a good record every now and again. Like, it's not the worst thing to be. Could be worse. Could be worse. And the reason I bring up seven and six is because the Buffalo Bills are now seven and six. And the reason I bring up Brady is because Brady's a Kansas City Chiefs fan, as you may have figured that out by now. And the Bills beat the Kansas City Chiefs, third straight time beating the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. In the regular season. I got to preface, like, <laughs> I got to make sure to say in the regular season. It's very important we mention regular season because the Bills just cannot beat the KFC Chiefs in the playoffs no matter what happens. It, it just can't happen. AFC Championship game, divisional round, just can't happen. The Chiefs, the only time they played the Bills in Buffalo was the COVID year, conveniently when there was no fans there. But every every time since then, the regular season, the Bills have beaten the Chiefs. I've been there for two of them that they won. Like, I was telling, uh, we had a watch party, a little watch party on Sunday. I don't want to say it was like a, a massive shindig or anything. But we had a decent watch party on Sunday, and I was sitting there, I was like, man, it's been a while since I haven't been to a Bills-Chiefs game. I don't remember the exact year, like, when the last time I haven't been, but I feel like I, I've been to the last two regular season games. Maybe three. Maybe three, because I have seen the Chiefs beat the Bills a few times. I, I've been to Arrowhead like seven or eight times. Like, this is the first time in a while I haven't seen the Bills and Chiefs. I haven't went to the playoff game. I was there at the 13-second game. So, like, I've, I'm committed to the cause and going to Arrowhead because it's close. It's two and a half, three hours away. Like, that's fine. That's chilling. Big chilling for me. But this one, we just couldn't get something sorted out, so we ended up watching here. But it was weird sitting there watching a Bills-Chiefs game in the comfort of my own home. It was weird. I, I like Brave in the Elements down in Kansas City, Missouri. I like Brave in the Elements. But it as a game, it wasn't the prettiest game of all time if I was like putting it up there with like the Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes games of the past it was probably the worst if I'm being honest it wasn't like a great offensive display it wasn't necessarily the greatest defensive display of all time Bills got up early in the game AJ Pineza picked up patch picked off Patrick Mahomes in the first drive of the game James Cook scored on a wheel route touchdown the same drought that he dropped against the Philadelphia Eagles the week before or two weeks before because they had the bye week sorry Bills go up 14 nothing Josh Allen runs up the middle you know, like they, they were calling it, <laughs> they said, screw your bush, your tush push. I said bush push, which is the originator of that. Screw your tush push, Philly. This is the <laughs> lake effect snowplow. Josh Allen just bullies himself through the, through the defense. Like what, 12 yards out, 14 yards out or something like that. He goes, I'm too big. I'm too big. It's like, man, fair play, fair play. But that's why I love Josh Allen. He had an interception later in the game, which, Whatever, bound to happen. <laughs> kind of just accepted it at this point. But the game itself, there's nothing really to write home about. I don't think the Bills were amazing. I think the Bills 
you know, once again, let a team come back. It could have been a game where they won by double digits, just like the Eagles game. They were up double digits in that game, ended up losing the game. This game, up by double digits, got a little bit closer than expected. Almost lost the game, if we're being 100% honest. We almost lost the game. If it weren't for Gadarius Tony, who has been on the receiving end, ironically, of a couple Chiefs losses this year. We look at the Detroit Lions game week one. The screenshots of the ball where Kadarius, Kadarius Tony dropped it and Brian Branch just gracefully scooped it, <laughs> ball in it right in his arms, carried it all the way for six for a pick six. Chiefs end up losing the game by one point, 21 to 20. This game, Bills Chiefs, Kadarius Tony lines up, Travis or Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey pitches it back to Kadarius Tony, and Kadarius Tony scores. It's one of the plays of the season. That's what I used to love about Ed Reed and Tyler Sachs is that I know they're defenders, but the pitching. Like, if you're not going to score, give it to someone who is going to score. Sometimes it's a little crazy. Josh Allen's done it a couple times in his younger days where it's like, dude, what the hell are you doing? The Houston Texans won in the playoffs is a prime example of that. But he scored a touchdown. It's like, okay, this game just got really interesting and not very fun. Two seconds later. Referee comes to stands, stands, gets on camera, says offsides, offense, number 19. Kadarius Tony is lined up probably a foot offside. <laughs> and what ensued after that was one of the funniest meltdowns I have ever seen in my freaking life. It, it, it is beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. As someone who does not like the Kansas City Chiefs, it is made very abundantly clear that he does not like the Kansas City Chiefs. This was, mwah. I couldn't have asked for a better meltdown if I tried. I couldn't have dreamt it up, a better version of what happened after the game. Patrick Mahomes is flipping shit on the sideline. Like, he's fighting through people. He's throwing his helmet. He's getting, he's got, get off me. I'm going to yell at the referee for the right call. But I'm going to yell at the referee. And he gets onto the field to shake hands after the game. And he bet Josh Allen goes up to shake his hands like, ah, oh, good game, brother. And Mahomes going, hey, that's horse shit. That's one of the worst calls I've ever seen. Ah, terrible call. Blah, blah, blah. And Josh Allen is just standing there, like, confused as hell as everybody else was. <laughs> we have the benefit of replay. That's why, like, like, going to games is awesome. One of the greatest things you can do is go to a game. I know a lot of people are priced out, but they're fun to go to. But one thing that you can do at home is watch the replays. You have the ability of going different angles. At games, you would just got that one angle. So every time I go to a sporting event, I always have to make sure to watch the highlights afterwards so I can vividly remember what happened or like what is like a different angle of something. So we had the benefit of that. But watching it on TV and Josh Allen just standing there like, dude, what the hell are you doing? And he just goes, doo, doo. he pats Mahomes on the chest because <laughs> he's like, all right, I'm going to leave. You you go, you go off. You go, you go off, King. That's what Josh Allen said to Patrick Mahomes. And Mahomes is still freaking out on the field. There's videos of him walking into the tunnel in the locker room, still freaking out. It's like, dude, this is hilarious. I have never in my life, like I've seen freakouts in the NFL before. I've seen it. It happens. We're humans. It's human nature to freak out if you don't like something. But when something's so obvious, <laughs> that's what makes it so funny. And what made it even funnier is the coping that happened afterwards I saw people on Twitter saying oh look Chiefs fans on Twitter saying hey look Tony did check with the ref no he looked at him 
and then while he was still moving, turned around and then kept going forward. He never checked with the referee. It was so bad that even community notes on Twitter checked it, dude. Because like, oh, yeah, he didn't actually check with anybody. Andy Reid even confirmed that Kadarius Tony didn't check him. Didn't check with the referee. It was one of the funniest things I think I have ever seen in my entire life. And then the best part about it was the Chiefs expected to be warned. Why were they not warned about this? Andy Reid after the game, usually I get a warning before something like that happens. It's a bit embarrassing for the National Football League for that to take place. I've been in the league a long time, haven't had that, haven't had one like that. Like, <laughs> what, do you get preferential treatment? I mean, we all know it. Like, our eyes work. We all know the Chiefs get, you know, the benefit of the calls 99% of the time. I know you could point to, like, the pass interference non-call against the Packers. But one time in the 1,800 plays that have happened since then, like, before then, like, I watched a Chiefs-Jets game this year where the referee threw the flag after the Jets defender picked off the ball. I have seen that happen. <laughs> and Brittany Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes have the audacity to sit here and say, the refs cheated us. Brittany Mahomes on Instagram posted a video of the ref saying MVP. This is as bad as Aisha Curry doing that to the Golden State Warriors a few years ago. Like, do you not know how stupid you are right now? You are the Kansas City freaking Chiefs. <laughs> you are the last people to get compl- to start complaining about calls. You are the last ones to do that. I have zero sympathy for Mahomes or Andy Reid in this situation. You get a warning. Well, yeah, that's, I'm sorry. Yeah, because the Bills should have gotten a warning before the 12-man penalty that ended up losing them the game against the Denver Broncos. Normally, teams get warnings for penalties. And the best part of what they reacted like this penalty never gets called. It's been called 11 times before that and was ironically called the night game. Eagles-Cowboys. So that's what made it even funnier. It's like things just kept stacking on top of each other. And then Mahomes. (laughs) Mahomes. Wait, which one's the... What's the first one? Uh, We'll go to this one first, I guess. There's other ones we can go to, but I want to go to this one first. Mahomes, let let us play the game. Then whatever happens, happens. That's like that's why last week I didn't say anything. Let us play. You want us to be about your team and their team and see what happens. I want to go play. Then see what happens at the end. Then I can live with the results. The flag today was tough. Offside. Offensive. Offensive. Offsides. You point to the ref. You're good or not good. You have a discussion. That's the ref's job. For him to throw that flag, no explanation or anything. I saw the picture. Get ready for this one, folks. Strap down. Strap your seatbelts. Get ready for this next line. He's barely offsides. He's barely offside. He's still offside. <laughs> Didn't matter if he was barely offside. He's you. you counted. <laughs> he's barely off. He's still off. By the letter of the law, he's off. And he's not barely offsides. I've never seen Twitter surround around like agree around one thing in my life apart from Mahomes is painting himself like a freaking asshat like what are we doing here it didn't affect the play at all do you know how many defensive holding calls have zero effect on the play and Patrick Mahomes dumbass arm goes in the air every single time he sees a defensive holding call 
and points at the defender? You know how many times that's happened and it has had zero effect with the ball? Zero? You want to remember uh, the <laughs> what the pass interference in the Super Bowl? Remember that one? Remember that one? Let us play. Let us play. If we're going to let us play, then you got to say, well, that Super Bowl was bullshit. You got to. You got to. That was his ticky. They're complaining about this ticky tack foul. He's barely offside. He's barely offside. The worst effing call I've ever seen. <laughs> if Pat really feels that strongly about officiating determining games, then send then send them last year's Lombardi trophy to Philly since the Chiefs won that trash ass PI call against the Eagles. Just saying. Like again, you can t- go by the definition and say. It was a pass interference or it wasn't pass interference. That's up to you. This one's pretty clear. <laughs> you could see it happen. He's about a yard, a foot offsides. I don't say a yard. He's about a foot offsides. Like the pass interference, you can go either way with it. I don't think it was a pass interference call. I would think it was ticky-tack. But if the Chiefs are going to go out here and say that that was a ticky-tack call, then give your Lombardi trophy to Philly, like that tweet said. You are the last team in the league next to the freaking Patriots that cannot bitch and moan about any call going against you. And what makes it even funnier is that was a right call. That's what makes it even more, like, like you couldn't write it. SNL staff writers back in their heyday could not have written anything like this. I have never seen a meltdown so big and so explosive about the correct call. And what made it, there was a quote, I need to find it. Um, it was about Travis Kelsey. I got to try and find that because I'm not going to be able to find it. He basically said that play could affect Travis Kelsey's Hall of Fame career. Yeah, because Travis Kelsey, you know, dating Taylor Swift, only thing he's known for, was barely a Hall of Fame tight end before that. That play put him over. Now I'm sitting here like, is Travis Kelsey really a Hall of Famer? If I'm sitting here right now, on December 12th, 12-12, is, is Travis Kelsey a Hall of Famer? I, if they had that play, I think I was going to vote him in. But now I'm sitting here like scratching my head a little bit. I'm really scratching my head. I'm really, 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 really scratching my head. And I think the best tweet about this whole thing is I really can't believe Mahomes is trying to pull the it was really effing cool, so just pick up the flag. The play was so cool. You shouldn't have called it. And the funniest part about it, the flag was thrown before the play. So, <laughs> what? It, whatever happened, the penalty was getting called. Again, I watched the New York Jets versus the Kansas City Chiefs game where Mahomes threw an interception with a holding call that had no effect on the play get called, but after the defender had caught the ball. You can go find that clip for yourself. You can go, but someone, people were posting like threads of the Chiefs getting away with like the most insane calls or getting the most favorable calls of all time. Again, I will not be, I cannot reiterate this enough. And this isn't to all Chiefs, like everybody associated with the Chiefs. Not everybody, because I know it's not every, because Brady was not flipping shit after the game. He said it was, he texted me the next day. He had a, a Sean McDermott joke, which we'll get to in a little bit. And he was like, yeah, at least your receiver didn't line up offsides or have a coach that didn't catch his receiver to line up offside or something. Like, he knows it's offside. Like, it's not – I'm not sitting here lambasting every single person associated with Kansas City Chiefs. I just think it's hilarious that it's like this or was like this because they were sitting here on Tuesday. It's been a couple days since then. But it's still 
hilarious that's happening. Worst call I've ever seen. Normally, I get a warning before that's called. They get a warning? Wow. <laughs> uh, and then the way it was even funnier, someone else on Twitter, a Chiefs fan, it's at Goat Mahomes, tweeted a picture of Von Miller jumping off, quote unquote, jumping off sides third and 15. You are a disgraced humanity, Carl Sheffers. You know what's funny about this picture? Is that the ball is snapped when Von Miller is across the line. You can't make it up. You can't make it up. Again, prime SNL, like the like the Adam Sandlers, the, the Mike Myers era SNL, Will Ferrell. Like, they could not have come up with something like this. They couldn't have. The ball is snapped, and there's the posted screenshot of that. It still had people tweeting, liking it, commenting on it, and people are in the comments like, dude, the, you could see, where's the ball at? Oh, it snapped. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh my god, it was so funny. And like, I I'm just going through my camera roll right now. Jawan Taylor's lined up so far off the ball as well. You could have called an illegal formation penalty on it too. The Chiefs had two penalties in one. They chose to go with the offsides penalty because Jawan Taylor is basically holding hands with whoever the running back was. I don't know who was in the backfield. Jarek McKinnon. He's basically holding hands with Jarek McKinnon in the picture. Oh, there's an overhead shot of Kadarius Tony. <laughs> it's so funny. Who was it? There was a uh, Ross Tucker posted a picture on Twitter of Kadarius Tony saying, man, it's the most insane call I've ever seen. Kadarius Tony's like 30 yards down the field. Oh my goodness. Like you could have just thrown Juwan. You could have had a, a Juwan Taylor penalty on that. Patrick Mahomes says the offensive offsides called not only impacted the game, but Travis Kelsey's Hall of Fame career. Legit quote. from I shouldn't say legit quote. People are posting it. I think it's hilarious. I'm going to think it's true, even if it's not. <laughs> uh, new career goal, become a Hall of Fame voter so I could get, be the guy who keeps Travis Kelsey out of Canton because that one play didn't count. Oh, my goodness. And then, again, they had they, they collected themselves. They went to the interviews Monday. Uh Andy Reid, two inches or an inch away from being legal. Still illegal. It's still legal. It doesn't matter. It's still illegal. Uh, and coaching point for Tony's to make sure he checks off official pre-snap. Reid added he wasn't trying to make an excuse with his post-game marks. He did. He was. That's fine. The point was trying to make is that he'd usually get a warning. Yeah, that's even funnier. That is making an excuse. I, again, barely offsides, two inches offsides, whatever. Still offsides. We usually get a warning. We didn't get a warning. You're making an excuse. That's an excuse. It doesn't matter how big of an excuse it is. It's still an excuse. Confirmed Tony did not check with the official when he was lined up. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my God. Then some other brainiac on Twitter. We're unleashing all the brainiacs on Twitter. Uh, what's under steer was the Twitter. No picture of themselves. Their name is the same as they're at. NFL change overtime rules for Josh Allen. In the postseason, but people tend to forget that for some reason. NFL moved a snow game for Josh Allen. That was the game, a lake effect snow came in, and they had to play the Lions in Detroit. Or the, no, who'd they play? The Browns in Detroit? Yeah, they moved the, do you not know what the snow, what they couldn't play? <laughs> they couldn't get to the freaking stadium. Again, context doesn't matter in this situation. NFL required the Chiefs to play by the rules, and two of the teams, of two teams that were behind them in the standings, because two teams jointly decided to cancel a game which had gigantic playoff impl implications. Um, 
I'm pretty sure he's talking about the che- the Bills Bengals game where DeMar Hamlin died. I think that's the game he's referring to. And either way, the Chiefs ended up passing the Bills, even though the Bills never lost and beat the Chiefs in their season. But that's also not important. Chiefs haven't had an offensive offside since 1995. Not important. It's the league. Doesn't matter which teams had. I don't know when the Bills last had an offensive offsides penalty either. But I know it's been called 11 times so far this season. There was one offensive offsides last year. That game yesterday was a sham, and it wasn't just the last call. Okay, buddy. Are we going to forget about the time Travis Kelsey tackled Rasul Douglas and they picked up the flag because Travis Kelsey bitched and moaned to the ref? Are we going to talk about that one or no? Because that didn't have an impact on the play either. Are we, what, are we, what are we doing here? I do think it's funny because two teams, like we're going to, context is not important here at all. Dude just spouted out random shit and said, hey, look at this, but it's on Twitter so no one can say anything to him. NFL changed overtime rules for Josh Allen. First off, no, the Bills were the team that lost against Kansas City Chiefs in the 13th game. They were not a team that even put anything up towards changing the overtime rules. It was like the Colts, Titans, Rams, and then I think another team. But I know those three teams for sure. Bills had nothing to do with the overtime range. Second, playoffs. Doesn't matter for the regular season. I love that that keeps getting brought up, even though it doesn't matter for the regular season. NFL moved a snow game for Josh Allen. Again, lake effect snow. I don't know if your big brain works. Can't really get anywhere when lake effect snow hits, especially up in Buffalo. So they moved the game to Detroit. Real big advantage for the Buffalo Bills where the Cleveland Browns are right there. I say right there. They're closer to Detroit than the Bills are. Moved to Detroit. <laughs> it's not like it was a big, massive mover for him. And then the best one. NFL required the Chiefs to play by the rules of two teams that were behind them in the standings because said two teams jointly decided to cancel a game, which held gigantic playoff implications. A dude died. A dude died, okay? And, again, that didn't actually affect the Chiefs at all because the Chiefs passed the Bills, who they lost to, who the Bills didn't lose a game, and then, yeah, the Chiefs actually directly benefited from that. And then the Chiefs haven't made them. You got that stuff. So, yeah, context doesn't matter here. <laughs> We're not going to bring up the 11 other times offensive offsides have been called this year. But it's just when the Chiefs – I love that they're complaining about it. And the people are like, I lost so much respect for Mahomes. I lost so much respect for Mahomes. Here's a video showing Tony checking with the, penalty, ref, <laughs> checking with the ref before the penalty. He was, he was walking up the line and didn't actually wait for confirmation. Tony effed up. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to say it. This is a Chiefs fan on Twitter. I'm going to say it. We are the only team in the NFL that goes through this week after week. I get it. Y'all are tired of us winning, but it's getting out of hand. Shut up. <laughs> oh, my God. Again, it's not everybody in the fan base. I've said this a thousand times. Every fan base has got stupid people. Not every fan base is complete brain-dead idiots, but the people that are on vocal on Twitter in regards to the Kansas City Chiefs are brain-dead idiots. Again, this is not throwing any of the people I know into that fray because as far as I'm aware, and the person I watched with it on Sunday had no issues with the penalty whatsoever. So I'm not throwing every single Chiefs fan under the bus here, but there's a few dickheads that make everybody look bad. And they're the vocal ones on Twitter. The dude that posted the video of Tony, quote-unquote, checking with the official. <laughs> this person saying, man, you just, man, because we win so much. I'm just getting sick and tired of this. And so I'd quote tweet, as a Dolphins fan, imagine being this out of touch with reality. Ratioed him by like 4,000 tweets. <laughs> 4,000 likes, sorry. Oh, my God. And then you got the whole, oh, the Bills did, the NFL did this for Josh Allen. The NFL did this for Josh Shut up. Like, again, <laughs> you are the last team to whine, bitch, kick a fit, whatever. I loved it. 
I don't even care what happened in the game. All that matters is the Bills won. I don't think they played that amazing. I think the offense still looks a lot better as than it did under Dorsey. But, man, this is, is so funny. I couldn't think of anything else to talk about with this game. I really, apart from the touchdowns and the picks, I really couldn't tell you anything else that happened apart from the the holding call that got taken back when Kelsey again dragged Rasul Douglas to the ground or the in the offsides penalty, which is hilarious. And the reaction that followed is one of the great, mwah, is, pure, is perfect. As a Chiefs hater, it is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I, I, w- I would say like the Chiefs are slowly pr- pr- passing the Patriots in regards to my least favorite team in the NFL because of the fact that I live in Iowa and I see this stuff more than I would if I was like out east. Because I know one Patriots fan, or I'm friends with one Patriots fan. So I don't really get it that much. I went to William Penn. A lot of people from Missouri go to William, went to William Penn. A lot of them are Chiefs fans. A lot of people in the state of Iowa, just in general, are Chiefs fans. So I'm going to see that more on Twitter because it's more of my geographical area than I would be if I was with the Patriots. I've been to a Bills-Patriots game. I'm not saying I like the Patriots. I don't. But they're a lot less of a threat <laughs> right now than they ever were. And I, th- I saw this today. Bill Belichick is apparently getting fired at the end of the season. Bill Belichick getting fired. Robert Kraft has apparently already made up his mind. Robert Kraft reportedly already made a decision about Bill Belichick's future with the Patriots. Just because they won last week in Pittsburgh in primetime, I don't think that quells anything. This is a report... Uh, Patriots owner Robert Kraft's already decided to move, quote unquote, move on from Bill Belichick at the end of the season after they lost the Colts on week 10. Sources told, uh, at Tommy Curran, I don't, I don't know his, uh, Curran, when they came, when they came out of the loss in Germany, conversations I had that week made it very clear the decision was made. They were going to play out the string and at the end of the year, there would be parting of ways for a variety of reasons. Belichick is, quote, beyond the point where he could save his job with the Patriots once the season ends, according to Curran. So who knows what's happening there? Who knows what Bill Belichick's future holds if he wants to go into coaching again, if he wants to retire? He definitely needs to be done being a GM. He's sucked at that for the past however many years. The Patriots roster is dog water. And I'm intrigued to see which direction they go. Because Josh McDaniels is now available, and he this dream job, I mean, he quit the Colts job the same day he got it because he wanted to go back and be the OC of the Patriots. Like, did they go with him? They go with like, was Brandon spikes an option? I believe he was one of them. Mike Vrabel. Do they pry him out of Tennessee? Like what direction do the Patriots go? If not Belichick, like, it's just so weird to think about. It's so weird to think about. And his legacy is getting tainted every single day. Not only because the Patriots are ass now, but because Tom Brady went on and went won a Super Bowl in Tampa. And an MVP. Like, there's... Or not, not an MVP. Not an MVP. But it was the number one player in the NFL according to the top 100 players. Which, you can take that however you want. I don't care. Aaron Rodgers won the MVP that year, though. I was getting my things mixed up. Because I remember people were mad that Aaron Rodgers won an MVP that year. And people said Tom Brady should have won it. But I agreed with Aaron Rodgers winning the MVP. But it's just so crazy how that happens. Like, Belichick was seen as the und- – I think he still is the greatest coach of all time. I don't really think there's much debate in that. Six Super Bowls. You can go compare the Brady – like, do I fear the Patriots without Brady? No, not at all. I've never feared the Patriots. When I was growing up and the Bills and Patriots would play, 
the time the Bills and Patriots would play later in the season, the only time the Bills would win is if the Patriots were resting everybody because they already made the playoffs. Because the Patriots played in the worst division in football for God knows how many years. So they were resting all their stars by the time they played the Bills in Week 16. So at that time, you were playing the likes of Garoppolo, Brissett, uh, crap, uh, Matt Castle. Like, you weren't playing Tom Brady. And when the Bills would win those games, my dad would go, hey, yeah, it's cool beating the Patriots, but it doesn't really count because you didn't beat Tom Brady. So the, when the Bills did beat Tom Brady, when Ryan Fitzpatrick and co. had Ryan Lindell made a game-winning field goal in Buffalo, when uh, frickin' Drew Bledsoe in his first game with the Bills beat the Patriots 30-6, to, 30 to 6, I think it was the score. Drew Bledsoe and Lawyer, Lawyer Malloy came over from the Patriots that offseason. First game of the blue uni- the navy blue uniforms, that one. Like, when those games happened, those were, like, celebratory. There's like, pandemonium in the streets. I remember Leotis McKelvin fumbled on a kicker turn against the Patriots. I think it was on Thursday night or Monday night football. I don't think. I know it was one of those. They were both wearing their retro uniforms. Fumbled the ball. Patriots ended up scoring a touchdown, winning the game. Ben Watson gets the game when he touchdown. Bills were all they needed to do. Leotis McKelvin should have knelt it in the end zone. That was one of the games I've ever seen my dad so mad in his life. It was that one and the Bills-Falcons when they played up in Toronto. I think Stevie Johnson and Scott Chandler had like a combined five fumbles or something like that. It was crazy. I've never seen – those are the two – most mad I've ever seen my dad after a game. And that Bills Patriots one with the retro uniforms, the Elders McKelvin's fumble and all that stuff, that did not go over too well in Buffalo either. <laughs> you have to get, when you have an opportunity to beat the Patriots, especially at that time, you had to take it. And you do not need some stupid fumble when you should have knelt it in the end zone, cost that. Stevie Johnson's drop against the Steelers is another one in overtime. That's another one that kind of creeps into the mind of games you should have won, but you messed it up. I almost said, I almost said, no, you weren't there, but you messed it up. So, you know, you have to move on from it. It sucks. But yeah, the Patriots just odd. I don't know what direction they go. They're obviously going to look at a quarterback this year because Mac Jones is good as gone. I mean, they've already, they benched him four times this year. How many times can you bench a guy before you just, I mean, it looks like they finally said, Hey, Bailey's happy. He's going to see out the season, but man, it's been a freaking mess in Foxborough, and I am loving it. And you know what's worse? I say that, and all that stuff I said before, and it just clicked in my head because I was trying to put this out of my memory. The Bills lost this Patriots team. Like, I tried to forget it. I tried to forget it, but they lost this Patriots team. That is so funny. The Bills beat the Chiefs. They beat the Dolphins by 28 points, and they lose to the Patriots, allowed them to score 29 points. With Mac Jones, a quarterback who's been, again, benched four times. That's not ideal, and Bill Belichick's about to get fired. That's not great. You lost the Jets as well without Aaron Rodgers. Last stupid game. They, they without. I'm still pissed about them not getting a warning against the Broncos, though. That that was that was saved a lot of issues, and they got a warning for the 12 man penalty against the Broncos. Normally, we get warnings about that kind of stuff. Normally, we get warnings about that. But let's go over the AFC East right now because the AFC East is just a freaking mess. We're going over the Patriots stuff. Dolphins lost to the Tennessee Titans last night on Monday Night Football, doubleheader Monday Night Football. Giants and Titans both won, as expected, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. It was just the Giants beating the Packers, who have looked red hot recently. And then you got the freaking Dolphins, who are one of the best team in football, unless they play above 500 team. Or even the Titans, I guess. It doesn't matter if you're above 500 team for the Dolphins this year. But you lose the Titans, you... What was the, What was it? They were down by 14-plus... Or around two touchdowns with like 2.30 left or three minutes left. So this is a screenshot that I took last night. Tennessee Titans, first win by a team down 14 with under three minutes to go since 2016. 
You want to know the combined record of these teams is in that mark? What is the record here? What did previously? Previously, what was the record? All of you can take your guesses. Give you a few guesses. Give you a couple seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. If you guessed 0 and 1, you got the wins right. You got the losses wrong, though. You were a little bit off on that one. I uh, mean, we'll give you a pat on the back. We'll give you an A for effort. We'll try again. Three, three, two, one. Okay, if your next guess was 0 and 10, okay, you're getting closer. You are getting closer, but you still got the wins right. So we'll get we'll cut half right. Okay, I'm done giving you guys chances. I'm done giving you chances. Uh, the correct answer was 0 and 767. <laughs> I know if that was your next answer, I apologize. Or if that was your first answer, I apologize for degrading you because the idiots over there guessed 0 and 1 and 0 and 10. That's not, that's not important. 0 and 776. That does not compute in my brain. I can't imagine 767 games. I, 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 can't, I, I can't fathom it. Let me repeat the, the the thing again. First win by a team down 14 with under three minutes to go since 2016. 0-767. 0-767, you say? Yes, that is what I say. And that is ludicrous. I cannot believe that. That is insane. And it happened to the Dolphins. It couldn't have happened to a better team this year. Really couldn't have. Really could not have happened to a better team this year. It was, again, beautiful. All my enemies were dying this week. Patriots beating the Steelers actually helped the Bills because Steelers keep losing. Bills creep back up. It, it all works out. But man, Dolphins. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Take a sip. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Oh, man. And then the final thing I'll talk about the AFC East. You knew we were going to talk about it. I avoided the topic with Brady, but Sean McDermott's 9-11 quote. Uh... Odd quote, best way you can describe that one. I would not really expect a lot of people to go around comparing a team of football players to Al-Qaeda, but that's kind of the situation in which we are in. I did not expect to hear that. That being said, the quote was from 2019, so I don't know why it's coming out now. But with all the other crap the Bills have had going on this year, it doesn't really surprise me, to be 100% honest with you. But I do think it's, like, quote, is it dumb? Yeah, it's one of the dumbest quotes I've ever heard. I don't think it was a really motivating quote either. And from what it sounded like, the players were really confused by it as well. And I was like, do you know who stops? Who was stopping Al-Qaeda? And I guess somebody stood up and said TSA or something like that. Like, that's funny. But I think that kind of just broke the ice because I don't think a lot of people were necessarily like, yeah, let's go. Let's go kick some ass. Now that Sean McDermott dropped the whole, yeah, you know, we, we're real together like Al-Qaeda. I think that's a dumb quote. I think it's a dumb analogy. And I think it's a situation, I mean, we brought it up with Sean McDermott before, about, like, getting a little too ahead of himself a little bit or overthinking things. Like, if he gets nervous, he starts doing, like, questionable. I mean, it's not comparable at all, but the challenge against Cincinnati Bengals, like, that whole thing, the countless times against teams where they're getting out coached in, like, late situations and allow teams to come back and win games. Like, I've it's some you can compare it to that. And I've had issues with Sean McDermott. We've been very vocal about those issues. But I've never had an issue with Sean McDermott as a person. I think this this is a lame character assassination, assassination attempt that I'm glad not a lot of people have really grasped or, like, grabbed onto or anything. I'm really happy about that. Because, again, as somebody who's been a, you know... I, I love, I, I've said this before. I love everything Sean McDermott's done up to this point, but I think it's time to move on. 
But this quote does not either build or destroy my argument at all. I am, I, again, I'll reiterate, it's a dumb quote. It's a dumb analogy. Like when I read it, I was like, there's no way, there's no way that's real, right? <laughs> like you read that, you're like, it's compared. You know who's together? Al-Qaeda. Like that's like, it sounds like a Shane Gillis quote. It doesn't even sound like a Sean McDermott quote. There's a little Shane Gillis like um, comedy special where he talks about that. Like it's <laughs> it just doesn't seem real. But I'm glad the players all rallied around it. I'm glad like Josh spoke out about it. Ed Oliver spoke out about it. Micah Hyde spoke out about it. And no one's really taking it like man Sean McDermott needs to freaking go. That's not if all my reasons for Sean McDermott moving on from Sean McDermott that is definitely not one of them. Stupid as it is, I don't really have an overarching, like, hatred towards Sean McDermott because of these comments. Like, again, it was from 2019. It's fitting that it came out this year because of how bad the Bills are, and it just tries to couple down on all the the drama the Bills have. Like, oh, you got the Von Miller situation, which I'm not going to touch on right now because I have no idea what's going on there. And you got the whole Ken Dorsey situation. You got Naheem Hines getting run into by a freaking jet ski while he was standing still in the water. You got the DeMar Hamlin situation. You got the Stephon Diggs stuff that goes on Twitter every freaking day. Like, all these different things that come together, and then this is one thing to add on to that. And apparently they they lost Locker after the 13-second thing two years ago. It's like the Bills didn't go 13-3 and last year. I don't think they were an amazing 13-3 and team. They were early, but then they kind of faltered towards the end. I think that had a lot to do with Josh Allen's elbow injury that they kept way under wraps. But again, I, this is not something I'm going to sit here and go like, man, he needs to freaking go. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and say that. I'm not going to do that. That's I have my reasons. That's not one of them. I'm, again, I'm glad everybody stood up to their for their coach in that situation because it's an odd situation to be in. And what makes it better is that you beat the Chiefs. Makes it like beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I've gotten so many memes about this stuff, but you beat the Chiefs, move on, go and play the Cowboys this weekend. They're not a great team on the road. They are dominant at home. They just kicked the shit out of the Eagles last week. Or last week on Sunday. Who'd they beat last week too? They just had a big win last week too, didn't they? If that one's on the road, I'm going <laughs> to... No, it was at home. Oh, their past three games have all been at home. Dominant. And discount the Panthers game. Don't count the Panthers one. That one doesn't count at all because it's the Panthers. Everybody should beat them 33-10. to 10. Don't know what... <laughs> that one doesn't count. But like the Eagles, 33-13... Seahawks, close. That was just an odd game. I did not expect the Seahawks to be that good. After, especially after watching them against the 49ers on Thanksgiving. I did That was kind of a surprise. I think they took the Cowboys by surprise there, too. But the Commanders, 45-10. Commanders can score. They're, like, super up and down, but they can score. You look at the game against the Giants, 49-17. They're, Giants have played really well since then. And then I say really well. Well within the reasons. They killed the Rams, 43-20. They beat the Patriots 38-3, which some of the Bills didn't do. And they beat the the Jets 30-10. Look at the games on the road. Lost the Cardinals. Insane. Got blasted by the Niners and lost the Eagles. And then your other game on the road, you, you beat the Panthers. What are your last games? But then the Chargers, you beat them 20-17. That's not a very good Chargers team. It's actually a very bad Chargers team. <laughs> and he beat the Giants 40 to nothing, but that Giants team... What a mess that was. And that was basically all because Daniel Jones and the offense just couldn't get anything going and turned it over. He had the blocked punt, or block kick, pick sixes and all that stuff. They got 100-point defensive performance for fantasy football purposes. Like, it was just a, a, an anomaly of a game. 
But since then, they're more down-to-earth team versus what they are at home. They are an insane home team. Dak Prescott is playing like one of the best quarterbacks in all of football. If not, right, based off this season alone, could argue he's been the best quarterback in football this year. He's played really, really well. But the Bills at home, beating the Chiefs, big motivator. Had a week off against the Eagles, a game he should have won. But I think they can beat the Cowboys. I've said, I said this after the Jets game. I understand it's the Jets. I understand that. But how they played with the Jets, with Kyle, Bra- oh, Kyle Brady. I did that on Sunday, too. Kyle Brady's a tight end that got drafted by the Jets ninth when they should have drafted Warren Sapp. Joe, Joe Brady. Jeez, I almost said John Barry. Joe Brady. Ever since he's been the OC, the offense has been so much better. So, so, so much better. Actually scheming people open. It's insane. Gabe Davis was schemed open a few times on Sunday. I just don't think Josh Allen trusts him anymore, and I can't really blame him given how this year has gone. Gabe Davis has been pretty much a bystander all freaking season. Like, Bill's number two option wide receiver is Dalton Kincaid. I think their number three option is freaking James Cook. Stephon Diggs has been nowhere to be found the past couple weeks. I don't know where he's been. <laughs> I have no idea where he's been. If you were going to hear Stephon Diggs pissed off, you should have heard it after these couple weeks. He has done next to nothing in the past three Bills games. I don't remember what he did against the Jets, apart from getting a holding call in the end zone against Sauce Gardner. The Eagles game did nothing, apart from getting a helmet changed and getting it going out. I think he had like a little bit of a neck injury. I, there was some off in that game. And then Chiefs game, he didn't do anything there. Like, for all the people that say Stephon Diggs hates his time there, if they were going to talk about his usage, this was going to be the time, and he hasn't done it. So I don't really think there's, as we've said before, no issues with Stephon Diggs here in Buffalo. Zero issues whatsoever. So if they go in against the, the Dallas Cowboys, him and Trayvon are... Or I say him and Trayvon. No, Trayvon towards ACL. Trayvon has been... He hasn't been tweeting on Twitter. Tweeting on Twitter. At least that I've seen about Stephon Dix in the situation in Buffalo. But, you know, things kind of seem to have flipped a little bit. They're playing a lot better. I, I know they're one and one, one... Two and one would go with Joe Brady as office coordinator, but they are playing better. They are playing better. But we'll see how it goes on Sunday. Afternoon game, Sunday night, Sunday afternoon football, game of the week, I would imagine, on Fox. Yeah. I think they can win. Uh, ESPN's predictor right now is 50 to 49. So the little less percentages go to the tie. And the Bills are two and a half point favorites going into this game. I do think they can win. I do think they can. Will they? I don't know. But I do think they can. And I think if the Bills keep winning, Josh... If the Bills make the playoffs or are going into that record with the playoffs, I I brought up Dak. We brought up Brock Purdy before the MVP. I brought up Christian McCaffrey. I brought up Tyreek Hill. If the Bills get back into playoff contention, there's no reason Josh Allen shouldn't be MVP. I understand why he's not because of the fact the Bills are currently sitting in 11th the AFC. That's not ideal. They're in like a five-way tie for the sixth seed in the AFC with like all of them have seven and six records. The Bills have not played very well against the AFC this year. Again, like they lost to the freaking Patriots. They lost the freaking Jets. They lost to the Broncos. They lost to the Bengals. Like, there's four of their losses right there. And there's other losses I'm forgetting about. We got the Eagles lost. That was NFC team. Who's was their other loss? There's one other loss in there that I'm just completely blanking on. Jaguars. So five of their six losses are against the AFC teams. That's not ideal. <laughs> That's not necessarily the most ideal situation to be in. For the Buffalo Bills. But if the Bills get back into playoff contention, I mean, they're in playoff contention now. They're in the hunt. But if they get back to the playoff spots, Josh Allen should be the MVP. 
Josh Allen is leading the NFL in touchdowns by a fairly decent margin. Like, he's got 35 touchdowns this year. Jalen's got 31. This is total touchdowns here. And then we're going to total yards through week 14. Josh Allen leads that as well. He's the only person over 3,800 yards total offense. So he leads the league in total offense and leads the league in total touchdowns. I understand the turnover stuff. But even then, we've talked about this before. With how the NFL has done this year in regards to quarterbacks, there's a lot of turnovers this year. There's a lot of freaking turnovers this year. A lot of interceptions, a lot of fumbles. Like Lamar Jackson, do I still have the, the graphics up? Oh, it's not on there. Where's the Lamar one? I had a screenshot talking about Lamar. Compare Lamar's touchdowns and fumbles and he has he has one less turnover than Josh and way less touchdowns. That's basically the long and short of it. But I can't find the uh, the graphic. Oh, this was kind of funny. Josh Allen's total touchdowns to thirteen games, thirty-five. Patrick Mahomes touchdowns to thirteen twenty-three. Who's regressing? Who's regressing this year? He has 12 more touchdowns than Patrick Mahomes. That is insane. Absolutely insane. And Fox still want to throw him up as an MVP candidate. And yet, not Josh. Not Josh, though. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. This MVP race is completely up in the air this year. I don't know who it should be. But, again, with how – if the Bills keep playing like they do and Josh is allowed to play freely, I'll take the interceptions. That's fine. If he keeps playing like this – and the Bills make the playoffs. I understand it's a regular season award, but the Bills come back and wink the playoffs after beating the Chiefs, they beat the Cowboys. Chargers one's got a little bit less glam on it because Justin Herbert tough of the year. But beat the Chargers on the road. It's the, they're, they're talented. I know they're ass because Brandon Staley's still their head coach. Which is insane. Brandon Staley's 5-8 and eight with Justin Herbert as his quarterback and a lot more talent. And then the Tennessee Titans are 5-8. and eight with a lot less talent, and the Giants, who have been quarterbacked by Tommy DeVito, Tyrod Taylor, and Daniel Jones this year, are 5-8. and eight. So, coaching matters. Coaching matters. Danny DeVito's playing really well right now. Danny DeVito. Tommy DeVito. <laughs> Tommy DeVito. But yeah, I, I MVP race is up in the air. I don't think that will get decided until the end of the season. Like, very end of the season. I don't even think there's... I saw The Athletic, they posted an article about the MVP favorites, and like the odds and all that stuff for the MVP... Dak was number one. I think Purdy's two. Yeah, Purdy's two. Lamar's sec- third. Jan- Jalen Hurts, then Josh is fifth. Above Patrick Mahomes, who, again, he has 12 more touchdowns then. But I like if I'm sitting here right now, I'm not mad with Dak or Purdy being the odds-on favorite to win MVP. I am upset to a certain extent that, like, Tyreek and, and – I mean, not upset that Tyreek's not included in there because I could care less about Tyreek Hill, but especially since he's on the Dolphins. Who just lost the Titans, by the way. But he should be on there above, like, Jalen. The only reason, I don't think Jalen's really been, I know he's, you know, got a decent amount of touchdowns this year, but a lot of those are tush-push touchdowns, which is, you can view those however you want. Uh, Most unstoppable play in the NFL is like 95% of the time it works or something like that. That's fine. They're touchdowns. They all count the same. But just for eye test, I have a hard time putting that up there with the likes of some of the things that the other guys have done so far in this league. Lamar Jackson, I think, is fine. I think he's fine. I think this year there's been games where he hasn't been asked to do a lot. I've, I know because I have him like four fantasy leagues. <laughs> Three or four fantasy leagues. But when he's cooking, he's cooking. Like, he cooked on Sunday. He cooked on Sunday. Who they play? The Rams? 
cooked in the rain too. Like I love Lamar Jackson. We've been, I mean, we've been very vocal about that on the Logan Blam show, but Purdy and Dak, I'm not upset about. I understand, especially after the week they both had. Purdy looked really, really good against Seattle. Dak looked really, really good against Philadelphia Eagles. So I understand that they're really close in regards to the MVP race, but I don't know. You cannot convince me that. I understand it's for a singular year. I understand they're both 10-3. and three, But I just I can't wrap my head around them winning an MVP over Josh, just given what I've watched this year. And they both played really well. I think Dak should probably be the favorite right now, but I, I don't know. It's close. Again, we're going to decide that late in the year. Maybe this game on Sunday helps decide that. I don't know. But, yeah, there's some other interesting awards going on right now. Some very interesting. That, that MVP race will get decided late, 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 late again. But we got our Heisman winner. We got our 2023 Heisman winner, and it was Jaden Daniels to the surprise of not anybody here. I don't know why Twitter was so ab- – <laughs> I saw somebody say the worst Heisman winner ever. And we brought this up the, a couple weeks ago. We talked about, like, the – Oh, you cherry pick stats against Georgia State and um, who was the other crap team they played? Georgia State and uh, Grambling State. Grambling. I saw those things. Our stat padding is to look at his number. Like, just strictly looking at his passing numbers against Alabama, ignoring the fact that he 380 yards total offense against Alabama <laughs> and got hurt against Alabama. But they were literally like the worst. I saw, where's that graph? Did I take a screen? Yeah, worst Heisman ever. The worst Heisman. Worst Heisman ever. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't remember what the quote tweet was about this. But, yeah, the they were trying to compare, like, he hasn't won anything. Like, oh, he, he didn't win a national championship game or anything. It's like, well, it's already decided. You, you won the national championship after the ceremony. Because they were comparing Joe Burrow. Yeah, okay, it was a screenshot of... So it was Jane Daniels' worst Heisman ever. It was by Blue Bloods Bias, who just stole the Triple B logo. Is Jaden Daniels the least impressive Heisman winner of all time? And then they posted a graphic of Jaden Daniels versus Joe Burrow's numbers. J- if you're disrespecting Jaden Daniels, I don't think that I think it kind of gets overlooked by how dominant of a season he had this year. Against way tougher competition, never had a bad game apart from the Florida State game. Like I saw Michael Penix suck ass against Arizona State at home and score 15 points. At home against Arizona. I saw him throw almost two interceptions on that last drive of the game against Washington State. They needed a game-winning field goal to beat a five-win team. I never saw Jane Daniels need to require his defense to make a stop or have him get bailed out of stuff because his defense was complete ass. LSU's defense was dog water all season. And you compare Joe Burrow's numbers to Jane Daniels' numbers, Jane Daniels had more total touchdowns and more total yards than Joe Burrow. People just want to point out his passing numbers. Dude, you got to look at the rushing numbers too. That's why it always pissed me off when you looked at, like, when they would compare them, like, Penix, Knicks, and Daniels on uh, on Saturdays about, like, oh, Heisman, they go passing yards and then total touchdowns. Well, if you're going to go total touchdowns, you've got to go total yards. But I know you're trying to make it look like it's close. It's not. <laughs> it shouldn't be close. I think the order went about how I expected. It's not the order that I would have picked, but it's a, the order that we said would happen, where it went Daniels, Penix, Knicks, uh, Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison just got screwed because he's a wide receiver. Not going to happen. Unless unless there's a bad year of quarterbacks, kind of like what we had in 2020 with Devontae Smith winning it. But I thought Knicks was better towards the end of the season than Penix was. I think if you stopped the season at the Oregon game, the first one, Penix would have won. 
But the sad thing is for Michael Penix, there's the rest of the season, and he did not play very well that after that Oregon game. The first one. They played all right in the in the Pac-12 championship game, but after that game with Knicks and Penix both playing, that confirmed my suspicions that Jane Dale was going to win the Heisman. You know how many much of a percentage of a vote he won? 72. I think it was 72%. We said 70-75. So like, I don't really think this was too much of a head-scratching move to have Jane Daniels win the Heisman Trophy. I really don't. And I, the, it was so odd. I hate when people do this. And it's Twitter, so I understand it. But two types of Heisman candidates was the tweet. And let it be known, Michael Penix saved my life. And his Twitter is at son of DeBoer, who is the head coach of Washington. So we know where his allegiances lie. But two types of Heisman candidates, Penix for Heisman. Penix had the names of his teammates ingrained into his suit. Cool. That's that's nice. I saw Kevin Knox with a Fortnite suit when he got drafted in the NBA. You can put whatever the hell you want in there. Put absolutely, and Jay Daniels had pictures of himself. And some brainiac underneath, again, Washington Huskies fan, uh, is at is UW. FB opinions, one cares about everyone on his team, the other cares only about himself. And then someone quote, <laughs> I love when people do this type of stuff. Jane Daniels' teammates give up 34 points a game to Power 5 opponents. They don't deserve to be stitched to his jacket. <laughs> I love that that's where we took it from. Jane, one cares about his teammates, the other one cares about himself. Not mentioning that the first people Jane Daniels mentioned were his teammates, and one of the people he mentioned was one of his teammates that he specifically pointed out that has cancer. Pointed him out. He pointed out the janitors. Did Michael Penix point? Did Michael Penix have the janitors on his suit? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Well, you could say Michael Penix didn't give a speech. Well, that's not important here. That's not important. Would he have thanked the janitors? I don't think so. I don't think he would have. Who knows? We'll never know because the right guy won the Heisman. And I love the argument that Jane Daniels would be a backup at Washington, would be a backup at Oregon. Like, no, he wouldn't. <laughs> They're asked, first off, all those quarterbacks are asked to do completely different things. Michael Penix could not do what Jane Daniels did at LSU. He couldn't. He can't move. He's got negative rushing yards this year. I know he ran a little bit more towards the end of the season. They had designed runs from him against uh, Utah and Oregon State, but he's not rushing for 1,100 yards. He's not. He's not pulling LSU out of his freaking ass to save the day. He's not taking a, sec, a, a near sack at the opposite 20-yard line and scoring a touchdown against Florida. He's not doing that. Like, you want to point out these, these cherry-picking stats against these low-level schools, he put up 606 yards on Florida's head. And you can think whatever you want about Florida. That's an SEC school. I saw Penix suck ass against Arizona State at home. That's a Pac-12 school. Their strength of schedules aren't even comparable. They're not. Especially when you look at the defensive side of the ball. Washington against USC was a good rankings matchup. Now when you look at the offense going up against the defense, which again, Sisters of the Blind defense going up against that one. But I love that. The whole debate of a, one cares about his teammates, the other one really cares about himself. It's so stupid. <laughs> That's one of the, the dumbest things you could possibly say. And then they screwed Knicks in the process too. They showed a graphic of his t- t- touchdowns. Uh, where they were on the field, like almost all, uh, uh, I should say almost all, a vast majority of his touchdowns. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) A vast majority of his touchdowns came within 10 yards. They showed his deep ball stats. He had nine touchdowns, two picks. 
For those who want to know, I know it's we're not talking about Penix here. We're going to go to Bonex. We're going to go to the other guy here because they they flash these graphics. Jane Daniels had 22 <laughs> touchdowns on deep balls and zero interceptions. Yards per attempt was also first. Completion percentage on tw- passes 20 yards down the field or more is first as well. Every statistical category you want to put up, Daniels dominates it. It's not even relatively close. I respect what Penix did. I saw somebody say, uh, uh, I, I need a guy who turned uh, Washington from 4-8 and eight school to whatever this team is now, college football playoff contender. Okay, cool. They were 4-8 and eight two years ago. You don't get a lifetime achievement award in a Heisman. You get a Heisman for how you did that season. And on this season, Daniels outperformed Penix. I don't care if Michael Penix was – he was a part of the reason we turned from 4-8 and eight school to a 13-win team. Cool. That's awesome. Good for him. He deserves to be commended for that. I have no real animosity towards Michael Penix. I was at a game where he threw three interceptions. Does, should that go into a category as well? Against Iowa? Should that go into something? I mean, we're bringing up stuff that happened years ago. That year that Washington went 4-8, and eight, he threw three picks against Iowa. One of them being a pick six. I was there. Are you just going to bring up that as well? I was Jane Jane Daniels beat Justin Herbert when he was at Arizona. Arizona State, sorry. As a freshman. Should I bring that into there? It was kind of funny. They brought this up. Jane Daniels started high school as a freshman. He was starting quarterback as a freshman. And he brought his high school coach there. Did Michael Pence bring his head coach? I don't know. But that's, <laughs> we're joking around with the, the comparisons of what Michael Penix brought up versus what Daniels brought up. I know they're joking around that. But the dude started as a freshman in high school. He started as a freshman in college. Jaden Daniels has never been a backup at any point in his life. And you're going to sit here and tell me that he would be a backup at Washington, Oregon? Okay. All right. <laughs> dude was a starting quarterback his freshman year of high school. He was a starting quarterback his freshman year of college. And has never been a backup at all. Dude dominated this year. Dude really deserved the Heisman. It's not. I don't even really think it should be. We were bringing this up like a month ago. That Jane Daniels should be in the running for the Heisman. It's like, this dude's not getting talked about enough. And I'm glad it happened this way. Because it debunks the point that I tried to make earlier this year. I'm happy it did. Of the Heisman. The MVP is kind of turning into it now. But the Heisman's going to the best player on the best team. Which, fair... But if there's somebody that is playing better and not just playing with a very good team, they deserve to win it. Like Lamar Jackson winning a Heisman. Tim Tebow winning a Heisman. Teams that went like 9-4. and four, I didn't think we were going to see that again. Jane Daniels is on a team that's 9-3. and three. And against teams that they lost, apart from Florida State, Alabama played really well. Ole Miss, he played really well. Lost a heartbreaker against Ole Miss on the road. But I'm glad it happened because if it was going off of – this is what Brady said, and I don't even disagree with Brady on that. Like, I wouldn't have been shocked if Michael Penix won the Heisman because of the fact he's undefeated. He had a good year. He's undefeated. He's in the college world playoff. Makes sense. But I don't think he played better than Daniels. I think if we – again, if we ended the season at the first Oregon game, I think we had a actually, like, nailed on. But post that – I never saw Daniels dip post that Florida State game. I saw Penix dip a few times post Oregon game. So that's my reason about it. And then the total yards thing is not even comparable. Patton stats is just a really funny way to look at it. <laughs> I just think that's a really funny way to look at it. Especially, he's a terrible person because of the fact that uh, 
you know, Michael Penix had teammates in his, and he had pictures of himself. Kevin Knox had Fortnite. I think that I don't really care what you have on the inside of your suit. What did Bo Nix have? I didn't see anything in Bo Nix's suit. Do you see anything in Bo Nix's suit? Didn't think so. Probably a picture of Satan or something. I don't know. Who <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Do not take that seriously. <laughs> do not. But I do think there was, it was kind of funny. There was a topic going around on Twitter. Who was the best player not to win a Heisman? I think the obvious answer is Vince Young. I mean, that's the obvious answer. I think you could put him down as the greatest college quarterback of all time, and the dude didn't win a Heisman. So that's kind of a not very fun situation. But a lot of Iowa fans were posting uh, Brad Banks. <laughs> and fair. Fair. But I did think this this tweet was kind of funny with the – the Iowa fan that quote tweeted it. I think it was funny. So someone, I think it was Chris Hassel that tweeted, like, who do you think should have won the high? Who do you think somebody that should have won the Heisman didn't? Someone tweeted Brad Banks. I'm going to keep it real with you. Post picture of Brad Banks. And someone tweeted out, won the Davey O'Brien Award for best QB and lost the Heisman to another QB that had talent out the roof. Fair. That's a fair argument. Carson Palmer, this is where I he loses me. Carson Palmer's a bust. In what sense was Carson Palmer a bust? What is your expectations for NFL quarterbacks? Carson Palmer was a very good NFL quarterback. What is your expectations? Hugh Jackson called it the greatest trade of all time when he got traded to the Raiders. Now, I think that's a dumb quote, but it's still really funny. To, it's, it adds to the story right now. But Carson Palmer was a bust? Jeez, is he just expecting everybody to be Tom Brady? And if they're not Tom Brady, then good luck to you. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, Joe Montana are the standard. And if you're not that, you're ass. I'm sorry. So this dude thinks no quarterback was ever good. And I don't know if that's just kind Because con- it obviously wasn't college. Because he won the Heisman. He got his number retired by USC. So it wasn't in college. So bust. If that's included, I, I don't know. That's an insane, insane line to take there. Banks meant... Carson Palmer was a bust, which, and then the follows up with Banks meant more to his team and did more that year. That doesn't really make any sense. What, what That doesn't correlate with anything. <laughs> Closest Iowa has won a national championship held back by a lost Iowa State. Yeah, we brought that up before numerous times. Best team Iowa's had in the Kirk Ferentz era. And someone someone responded to that said, Kirk saw what that team could be with a really dynamic quarterback under Brad Banks. Said, yep, nope, we're not going to do that again. I brought this up to Brady. We were watching. Uh, it might have been before we started recording on Thursday or sometime before that. I don't remember when it was, but it might have been before the Vikings-Bears game. But <laughs> it's like Iowa had a mobile quarterback when no one was really having it. It was about Mike Vick, and that was it, really, at that time because he was at Virginia Tech. And then Iowa was like, we're going to have a mobile quarterback. And now in the years where everybody has a mobile quarterback, Iowa has the most immobile quarterback room in the country. I just think that's really funny. <laughs> it's all it's all flipped on its head a little bit, but that is probably the best team I always had in my lifetime. But there, so it goes. Oh yeah, that's this is Jane Daniels thing. There's a massive asterisk on this Heisman. I speak for all non-SEC meat writers. Okay, dude. <laughs> Three losses. Yeah, this again, like the wins aren't QB stat thing is another. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole again. We've done that about a million times. But the final thing with the Heisman I want to bring up here is the first place votes. I know we kind of bounced around with the Heisman thing, but the Brad Banks thing popped up. I thought it was kind of funny. The bust word was really funny. First place votes breakdown. Daniels got 503 first place votes. Michael Penix obviously came second with 292. 
Bo Nix got 51. Marvin Harrison Jr. got 20. Fire. Fair. Jordan Travis got eighth, came fifth. And Florida State tweeted out a thing congratulating Jordan Travis coming fifth. And someone quote tweeted said, now you guys are okay with coming fifth. I just, <laughs> it's like, you got you to pick and choose when you're not comfortable going fifth. I just saw something like an hour or two ago about Florida State state representatives are going to take the NCAA to court or going to file an investigation under the committee that had a reason why Florida State's not in. And I said this after the playoff rankings were announced, and I said it on Thursday, or Friday show, sorry. I think the best four teams are in. I think Florida State had every right to be in, but hey, the world's not fair. You are, you want thir- you have every right to be mad. You have every single right to be mad. You're 13-0. You won a Power 5 conference. You beat LSU in the process. You beat a few top 25 teams in the process. You did everything right. And one thing you could not control is the main reason why you're not in, and that's your quarterback snapping his leg. And then your backup getting a concussion. But I think Michigan really wanted to play Florida State. Michigan did not want to play Alabama. I think Alabama would rinse Florida State right now. So I think the best four teams are in. I agree with the College Football Playoff Committee's decision to have these four teams in. I can also say Florida State got screwed and hosed by that. I think Georgia also got a little hosed by that as well. But that's another thing for another time. But Jordan Travis came fifth. And then we get into, like, murky waters. I'm not so – Milrow, Jalen Milrow, four, that's fine. I can accept that. He had a really good lit second half of the season after he got benched. Worthy. Blake Corm got three. A lot of one-yard touchdowns. <laughs> like, we're talking Jalen Hurts, tush-push, level of one-yard touchdowns this season. It was like, what did he have? He had 20-plus rushing touchdowns, I think. I would imagine about three of them weren't from one yard out. <laughs> it's been it is one of the more boring, good running back seasons I've seen. And we got two more running backs, Ollie Gordon from Oklahoma State and Cody Schrader from Missouri. Okay, first place, really? I mean, I think they're both really good running backs, but first place, Heisman? First place? And J.J. McCarthy. I know we talked about a few, like, a month or two ago about J.J. McCarthy being a possible candidate. We never really entertained the fact of him actually winning it. And given how the rest of the season ended, I don't think J.J. McCarthy, McCarthy played bad apart from the Purdue game, but I don't think he played great against uh, Maryland. I don't think he played great there either, but... He did not deserve a first-place vote <laughs> in any any reason why he deserved a first-place vote. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how, like, Roma Dunze didn't get one from Washington. Malik Neighbors from LSU didn't get one, who had a better statistical season than Marvin Harrison Jr., who had one more vote in the Blitnikoff Award. One more vote. And he didn't get a first-place vote. Yeah, Ollie Gordon, Corey Schrader, and J.J. McCarthy did? I just named two receivers right off the top of my head that are better than those guys. More deserving of Heisman votes, I should say. There's a lot of players you could put up there in regards to getting first place votes for the Heisman. I mean, you could even make an argument that Quinn Ewers. Like, if we're, I'm not saying I would not have given Quinn Ewers a first place vote. I'm just saying, given the three that I'm talking about right now, like, we're setting a different bar here. Normally, I would say no. Quinn Ewers did not deserve a first place vote. But... Do I think he deserved one more than J.J. McCarthy, given how the last part of the season ended? Probably. Probably. But it'll be interesting to see how the Heisman goes next year. I saw Joel Klatt talking about that on Twitter. Uh, Quinn Ewers was his favorite to win the Heisman next year. If I was giving my favorite right now, I'd say Jalen Monroe from Alabama. I He would be my favorite. I think Quinn Ewers, fair shot. I think like Shadur Sanders, fair shot. I think uh, Dylan Gabriel transferring to Oregon. 
And it's a very fair shot as well. He'll be perfect in that offense. Then you got J.J. McCarthy. If he comes back, which I don't really think he will, because something I saw today said he was a guarantee, like borderline guarantee top 10 pick. And for those of you watching at home and like kind of confused just looking at the numbers and stuff, I think he's got the potential to be a top 10 pick. I I think first round, I think he should be a first round pick, yeah. But I think he should go to a team like the Vikings and have like a Kirk Cousins there or something. But yeah, it's just a... I don't know. Heisman, I, I, just, I don't see that. I, I could be wrong, but like Blake Horn will be gone. Maybe he gets a few weapons back. Depends on what Jim Harbaugh does as well. We'll see. We'll see what J.J. McCarthy, but like J.M.L. Carson Beck, depends on what he does going back to Georgia. He'll probably be the favorite to be drafted first overall when he goes back. Him or Shadur Sanders will be the favorites to go first overall. Shadur Sanders, his only difficulty is that he plays for Colorado. That He'll put up the numbers, but Colorado went 4-8 this year. They're improving the offensive line, but they've had some key players defect. I said defect's not the right word, but like decommit is more like it. <laughs> some like five-star players decommit. Uh, are there any players that are like Deacon Hill? Obviously, come back. Caden Matt, remember that quarterback battle will be interesting. <laughs> uh, they need to get somebody else in the transit. They need someone to be the backup. I cannot, because once Cade leaves, I cannot go through with Deacon Hill again. I cannot do that again. I got one more game and then I'm done with it forever. I need, I'm done. Please do not subject me to that any, anymore. No more. No. Oh, Cameron Ward. Cameron, if Cameron Ward goes to Ohio state, I think Cameron Ward definitely will be a shot for Heisman. I saw the odds for where he's going and he, the Ohio state's the favorite, which I think is kind of obvious, but oh, Cameron Ward to Ohio state. That would be very interesting. I would put him over McCarthy in regards to a Heisman candidacy especially since I think JJ McCarthy is very likely to go to the NFL but that'll that'll, I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see what Michigan does the playoff that that could be key as well but speaking on transfers Tyler Van Dyke from Miami just committed to Wisconsin today I think he'd be perfect for what they're trying to do up there I think he's better fit than Tanner Mordecai is but we'll have to wait and see on that for a dude that was getting pursued by Alabama and now going to Wisconsin I understand like traditionally they're both really good programs but given how they both went last year not the gray, especially where both are, I say last year, are right now. Like, Wisconsin's about to get boat raced by Jaden Daniels in, in LSU in their bowl game. Alabama's compete for a national championship and has a very good shot at winning a national championship game. I think whoever wins the Michigan-Alabama game wins the Natty. I told Brady that on Friday. Like, that's that's my prediction for the playoff. I could not pick that Alabama versus Michigan game. I ended up going with Michigan just because I said that the entire year, but I'm not confident in saying that. And then I saw Kyle McCord is about ready to sign with Nebraska. Uh, sticking in the Midwest, Riley Leonard from Duke, who we really like on the show, uh, transferred to Notre Dame, which I think is a really nice fit for him. We'll see how he does there. Obviously, with Elko going down to Texas A&M, got a new coach up there. Manny Diaz is becoming the head coach there. He was down at Miami, the head coach there before. I think he was the D coordinator at Michigan. Is that right? He was a D coordinator somewhere, but he's going to be back, back in the head coaching ranks, but... We'll see. Drake may officially announce he's going to the NFL draft. Not surprising. Could be the first pick in the draft. Could be the second. Could be the third. I saw some people saying that he could, or Mel Kuyper, I should say, say that Jane Daniels could pass him up for QB2. We'll have to wait and see on that. I don't think that's possible, but we'll see. I have a conversation with him being the number one quarterback in the draft, so I'm not really seeing a, a reality where he passes Drake May, but who knows? Who knows? Jane Daniels, the year he had with his deep ball abilities, a Anything's possible. Anything's possible. And one of those teams would be the Giants. That'd be a team to look out for in the top 10. Them and the Raiders. 
Like Daniel Jones contract will make it an interesting thing, but I get I wouldn't be too shocked. Daniel Jones like just called it quits. I really wouldn't be too surprised if he just retired. I like I'm like I'm not saying that's a likely scenario, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happened, given the injuries that he's had recently. He's got the contract. I could see him pulling an Andrew Luck type thing. I'm not saying expect it to happen, but I could see it happening. And then we've got the Vikings. Brought it before. They pick 21st right now. They're starting Nick Mullins this weekend. So we'll see how that goes. They're playing the Indianapolis Colts on Saturday, I believe. Right? The Bengals. I got confused with my two teams that I was trying because the Bills are needing certain teams to win and lose. And the Bengals are one Bengals and Colts are two of the teams that have seven and six records, and the Steelers are there as well. And the Colts do play on Saturday. They play the Steelers. So we've got some interesting battles here. I need the Vikings to win, and the Steelers Colts just need one of them to <laughs> one of them to lose. Then we got the Broncos and Lions. So teams the Bills are directly competing with. Four of them are playing on Sunday, Saturday. <laughs> four of them are playing. And that is the Bengals, Steelers, Colts, and Broncos. So I'll be cheering for the NFC North, Lions and Vikings. And then we have the Steelers and Colts, who don't matter. Do not care who wins that game. And we got the Chargers and Raiders on Thursday. So, a little bit more fun, <laughs> potentially. Actually, I should say that Easton Stick started. We'll see how Easton Stick does. Bills play the pay- Bills play the Chargers next Saturday. So, we'll see how Easton Stick does with his first start for the Chargers without Justin Herbert there. And hopefully we're at the end of the Brand Staley train because this is getting long. It's getting really long. But Sunday will be fun. Saturday will be fun. We got bowl games starting up this weekend, I believe, as well. Yeah, we got Georgia Southern taking Ohio, Howard and Florida A&M in the Celebration Bowl. Jacksonville State versus Louisiana. Would be shocked if Louisiana was another state. Jacksonville State's in Alabama, so why can't Louisiana be somewhere else? And Miami of Ohio, Miami and Ohio taking on Appalachian State. We got New Mexico State taking on Fresno State, UCLA, Boise, and Cal versus Texas Tech. All those games will be on Saturday. Then we got Western Kentucky Old Dominion on Monday. UTSA Marshall Tuesday. I don't know why we're going even deeper in that stuff. But the final thing I want to talk about today, and I'm just going to do a little bit, a little quick thing on this thing, is the Otani contract. So move over Bobby Bonilla. So he obviously signed with the uh, LA Dodgers. Screw him. But that's fine. He got, there's no way the Cubs were buying that contract. There's no way. Unless they paired it like this. Oh, I did see this too. Which signing was bigger, Otani, the Dodgers, or Lionel Messi to enter Miami? I'm not even entertaining that. You know what the answer is. We're not even entertaining <laughs> We're not even entertaining it. Where is the screenshot that I have of Otani's contract? It's basically Bobby Bonilla levels multiplied by a million. Where the hell did it go? Okay, I got to go find it on Twitter. Did I like the tweet? I thought I screenshot it because I sent it to my dad. I guess I, guess I didn't screenshot it. I got to find this exact thing. Because it is... Like, his, uh, what is it? Okay, here we go. I should... So, Otani's $700 million deal is one of the most unique contracts in sports history. He'll earn $2 million annually over the next 10 years. So, he signed a 10-year, $700 million contract. He's getting $2 million per year for the next 10 years. So, he'll only dig into a 600, about $20 million of that contract. So, he'll have $680 million left. After those 10 years... Starting at 40, he will get paid that $680 million in payments for the rest of his life, starting at 40. That is insane. 
That is absolutely <laughs> insane. That's not even including endorsements and all that stuff they'll get paid. We see a freaking New Balance commercial every single time I turn on the TV. So you've got Otani. He, that's Bobby Mania times a million. It's the biggest contract I've ever freaking... $700 million is insane money. I can't even wrap my head around that. Now he's going to get paid that after he's done playing. And he's getting $2 million annually for the first 10 years. That's insane. Big brain moves from Shohei Otani. There's no way the Cubs are matching that. There's no way that's legal either. <laughs> but that's <laughs> that's the reality in which we live in. Man, what a show. I thoroughly enjoyed today. I did. I love I love my little rant about fantasy football. I always love fantasy football. I had to make it over dramatic as possible. I just watched Attack on Titan, so I gotta get I gotta make it a little more um dramatic than usual. So that <laughs> so that's what we're doing there. And if you had your guesses for the liquid we were drinking, it's a, I got chocolate milk. And it has lasted me the entire one hour and 44 minutes. <laughs> so it's not the greatest drink I've ever had in my life. But it did the job. It did the job. And, well, it's 845 right now, so I think I should better get ready. Start to wind down, get ready for bed. Blackhawks play the Oilers here in a little bit. Bedard versus Connor McDavid. So we'll see how that goes. We still got about 16 minutes left of the third here in the Red Wings-Blues game. It's 4-4 right now but uh yeah hope you enjoyed if you did not i sincerely apologize to you i know i'll give you fair warning when it's usually give you fair warning what's going to be a bad show but not today not today i'm feeling a little bit refy today <laughs> but i do hope you enjoyed and make sure to check out all the different links to the social media accounts and as well as going to loganblabbershow.com and make sure you like and follow subscribe whatever for the apple podcast and spotify account and leave a rating on a five stars on both i've been logan blackman i will see you all later peace